Hello, my name is Alexandra Murphy and I'm the host of this episode of the Soccer Tim Says podcast with our returning guest, Joss Grease. Joss is the mastermind behind Soccer Tim's most popular report, which is the annual digital trends report. Uh, there'll be a link in the show notes, um, as I hear them say on other podcasts. Um, but slightly more recently than the annual Digital Trends Report, Soccer Tim also published uh, a report that SSA Matheson researched and wrote for us, which was looking specifically at the experiences um, of some of our members uh, with recruiting and retaining staff uh, with the digital skills that they need. Um, so it sort of seems like an interesting time to kind of slightly mesh the two together um, and revisit the recruitment and retention topic, um, just looking back at the uh, broader digital trends report um, that Joss put together for us. Um, I know, is there anything in there that we can take from that? Is there anything from overseas experience that is in the report? Are things the same elsewhere or are they different elsewhere? So with that in mind, there's obviously Joss such a lot everywhere at the moment about um, issues of recruitment and retention um, in the public sector. So what's your take on it? How have you seen it playing out in research that you've done? Uh, hi, Alex. Uh, thanks very much. Um, it, it is pretty critical for public service organisations at the moment, um, and it's also a complex topic. I, I certainly think the public sector needs to ensure it has the right models for how it recruits and retains both internal and external skills. And that's both within the sort of digital and IT domain, but it is also more broadly in the organization. As uh, public services become more digital, it is absolutely critical that we have digital leaders in all parts of the organization. And in fact, every employee is sufficiently equipped, not just to use technology, but to understand the shift to new models of operation. So yeah, really important topic, uh, but there are a variety of solutions to the problems facing the public sector at the moment. Uh, so what are some of the solutions that you've seen in your research? Well, it's about rewards, not just pay. It's about recognition. It's about a whole range of hygiene factors. It's about recognizing the importance of digital. So. There's a lot of discussion at the moment about pay. Uh, traditionally, the mm. public sector has undervalued its technology skills and indeed digital leadership. Uh, the result is it, it is often paying relatively too little for those skills in-house. And as a result, there's often too okay. much dependence on external consultants like me and contractors. Um, <laughs> Some, some of it is certainly about recognition, understanding the value of digital. And in the public sector, sort of status has traditionally been about levels of seniority, how many people in your team, what's the size of your budget, common performance metrics and, the, you know, the traditional professions. But I think there needs to be much more of a skew today towards um, the ability to manage and deliver complex change programmes, which are typically embedded in a digital construct. So we need to see more IT leaders becoming digital leaders and more digital leaders becoming CEOs, for example, in our public in our public bodies. That will create the right culture and climate for recognition as well as ensuring yeah. uh, an appropriate pay structure. OK, that's really interesting because that does remind me of something that cropped up um, in 
podcast that Essay Matheson did recently on the back of his um, recruitment and retention report, which was a discussion with Matt Lewis about different types of status. Um, and as you've got there, sort of, yeah, sort of traditional status levels of seniority, and it's all about, yeah, as you say, numbers of people in your team. But is there perhaps a different stream that could go alongside that, that perhaps um, the public sector could actually do? So there are sort of maybe status and seniority that's not necessarily, I don't know, people related, but more skills and experience and thought related. Um, yes, possibly. I think some of those mm. things are quite difficult to evidence and measure. Okay. Uh, but if you take a leaf out of the private sector, the private sector for a long time now has valued the importance of um, people in the organisation being able to drive new ways of working through digital means. Mm. That's from everything from you know big change programmes to the delivery of new complex systems and uh, the way in which you change the culture and behaviours processes in an organisation to maximise the value of the investment you're making in technology and, 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 and new systems and so on. Um, we need to do more in the public sector to, I think, learn from that. Um, it's not black and white. If, if you take... <laughs> The point I was making about contractors and consultants this mm, is not about yeah. doing it all in-house yeah. and rewarding our senior professionals better. It's having a different construct to identify where we need external ex uh, external resources, where we should be collaborating and sharing more across public service boundaries. Mm. You know, for example, pooling resources and skills in a, in a, in a SOC, a security operations centre to combat cyber risk. Um, yeah. And then how we reward uh, appropriately and one of the things you know i would advocate um is a close relationship between it leadership and hr leadership our hr yeah. colleagues need to understand where flexibility and new models are needed in recognition and reward systems yes so it's kind of everyone starting to sort of push on their comfort zones and just starting to expand those into into slightly sort of different ways. That's how it sounds. Yeah, well, sort of. I mean, okay. parts, of the, part, parts of the public <laughs> sector find it very difficult to move outside the, the traditional mm. boundaries, the purple book, the rules and regulations that govern <laughs> who can get paid what. You know, some of the ridiculous sure. government statements in the past that no one can get paid more than the than the prime minister. I mean, the, these sort of these sort of things just get in the way of being as productive and efficient as we can in a modern world that is, uh, you know, significantly digitally based. So organisations that have a high degree of digital maturity, um, that have a digital strategy that is definitely delivering really improved value in their services, that can provide a flexible working environment that increases productivity and effectiveness. All of those things yeah. will encourage people to want to work in the public sector uh, and they will ensure the most productive way of both deploying the technology, but also the people on whom they depend to deliver that shift to, you know, a different, a different way of working. I mean, I can, I can remember Alex turning down a job offer some years ago now because oh. the process that the organisation had got for recruitment was so slow, cumbersome, and difficult. I felt it reflected the nature of the oh. organisation. Although it was a good job, oh. after several months of toing and throwing, I turned the job offer down. 
uh, okay, I was in a privileged position to be able to do that. But my point is, modern yes. organisations that really uh, embrace the expectations, especially of a younger generation, will find it easier to both recruit and retain the skills they need. That's yeah, that's really interesting. No, you're right that when you're doing more, you, yeah, you will attract more people, but it's the problem is not just attracting them; it's keeping it's keeping them as well, isn't it? Um, yeah, it yes, it it is, and 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 I think I mean parts of the public sector do this really well hmm. already. Uh, I spent a career in the public sector. I did that because it was one of the most exciting and innovative areas to work, especially if you work in in IT and digital. You have a yes. real impact on people's lives. Um, it's a, a, an exciting and complex environment to, to work in. Uh, but you don't work there in order to become a millionaire by the time you're 45 and retire. You work there for, for, different, for different reasons. Um, so I think when we're looking at the problem with recruitment, Pay is clearly an issue, and it's a big issue at the moment, um, uh, particularly, as I said, around the issues associated with recognition, you know, the value mm. of what these people can bring. But it's much, much more than that. Um, you know, we should be looking at uh, models of apprenticeships, the way in which we can blend roles with technologies, uh, what we can offer uh, the next generation of digital leaders, not just in IT, but, but beyond. Um, and in, indeed, the use of particular technologies to streamline and improve both how we work, but also how, how, how we use things like AI and recruitment. Yeah, sure. There was um, an article just this week um, in the LGC that was talking about um, increasing uses of AI. I mean, we've had um, webinars with uh, members and partners that are um, already using AI in sort of things with their telephone systems, for instance, um, helping uh, helping residents. I mean, do you think there's scope for using AI beyond beyond that as well? I mean, AI is going to have an enormous impact. I think the pace of rollout, particularly in the public sector, will be slightly slower than some of the pundits mm -hmm. indicate. <laughs> uh, not not because of a reticence to to use new technology, but because of some of the risks associated with it. That mm. said, um, the role in using AI to enhance uh, and simplify some of the more mundane and difficult jobs, I think is really positive. It will allow professionals to, to focus on the things that they are better able to focus on. Mm. And I think there are particular applications of AI in specific areas, uh, individual professions, clearly across organizations. Um, social care is, is one of the big, big areas where AI yeah. is being deployed now. But also, as I said, in areas like recruitment, how can we use AI to help ensure that candidates understand what we're doing, why we're doing it, and how they can contribute, but also how we can ensure we're selecting the best possible people for the, for the best possible jobs? Yeah, that's really interesting, thinking about the recruitment process. Because it, it can already be impersonal. Will AI potentially make it more impersonal? Um, uh, potentially. Any new digital technologies can disenfranchise or empower. It depends yeah. how they're implemented. This is why you do the co-design and so on. Uh, my experience sure. in some of the professional areas is that um, recruitment in the public sector is a very blunt instrument. 
Um, especially in areas like digital and IT, many of the agencies that we deploy still don't really understand what it is the public sector needs and is looking for. They're going through a, a slightly formulaic approach, which means that it needs a strong um, governance from our HR and IT colleagues uh, colleagues to to make that recruitment work well. Now, if that's an area where AI can help, that's great. But if it is applied, uh, I was going to say it's a blunt tool because it's not yeah. a blunt tool, it's a very sharp tool. But it is, if it is applied naively, then it, it's not going to deliver the value that we want. Uh, and that would be my concern about AI. There, there are lots and lots of positives, but there are also some downsides. We don't want to be uh, you know, magnifying bias in a system that ends up with the wrong sort of people in the wrong sort of jobs. Yes, no, absolutely. So I guess it's sort of also seeing perhaps how some of this might play out with uh, what our colleagues in the private sector are doing um, and yeah, seeing, I, seeing how they use it and then just sort of, yeah. To some To some extent, I think that's right. Uh, mm. I, 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 a word of caution that I think the complexity, especially in a local authority environment, the complexity of the nature of, let's say, a CIO or a CDO role is mm. often an order of magnitude greater because of the diversity of services provided, the different systems, the nature of the, um, uh, the, 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 the public interface that yeah. you might necessarily find in, in the private sector. So, uh, you know, a word of caution on that. But nonetheless, I think that's right. You know, my key takeaway from this would be for CIOs to work very closely with HR in, in almost taking a step back and saying, in terms of recruiting and retaining the right skills internally and filling the gaps where we are unable to do so with external resources, what do we need? What, what's the technologies? What's the flexibilities? Uh, what's the right pay structure to ensure that we can recruit and retain the skills we need for the future where can we where can we develop digital apprenticeships where can we encourage graduates to join us how do we overcome the pay gap as far as we can maybe by compensating in other ways yeah and what sort of other things could uh the public sector offer that perhaps the private sector can't in terms of a whole you know in terms of a complete uh package um, if pay Absolutely is just right. one part of that, what can what can local authorities offer, sort of uh, in that whole that, well, yeah, that other well, ones I can't. I mean, you, you know, the, the the public sector is in is in some difficult positions at the moment. It is a challenging environment to work mm. in, but nonetheless, it is an exciting environment. It's directly relevant to people's lives. It's hugely rewarding in other ways. It's often regionally based. Uh, the collaboration across a whole range of different professional disciplines mm. is is enormous. Uh, the level of innovation around technology use in in a whole um, group of of public service organisations is 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 unprecedented. You know, there are lots and lots of positives. Um, uh, at the end of the day, you still got to get the basic pay right, but you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I know. I've written down here, sort of that uh, you've written about, yeah, the impact on lives from your, you know, from your experiences when you were working there, and it's the, I said, but it's also a complex and exciting um, environment. Certainly, 
my perception as someone sort of outside of it. Yeah, that's very much sort of the mix that I see sort of listening to members at uh, events and conferences are things. Yeah, complex so, and exciting. Yeah. And we, and we need to market that. And we need to market mm. it much more strongly. It does not fully compensate for the pay gap. We need to sort out pay conditions, rewards, mm. status, all of those good things. But alongside that, there are things that we can do that I think will help to promote uh, the sector and specifically the exciting nature of these digital and technology roles on which the future of public services will depend. Yeah. Well, that's excellent. Thank you so much. My pleasure. That's been really interesting. Well, Thank you very nice much to for joining to. us today, Joss. Thank you. Pleasure. <laughs>